Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's episode 178, and this is our London travel guide. Today's Indie Travel Podcast is sponsored by Hostelbookers. We always use Hostelbookers when searching for a place to stay, as they have excellent youth hostels and cheap hotels. With the cheapest prices, on average 8.7% cheaper than other sites, which is important for us and for any budget backpacker. They have a blog which has guides, top tips and travel news on destinations around the world. And we also follow them on Twitter. And their Facebook page. Of course. Yeah. Their uh, blogs recently featured some of my writing on South America, so... You're awesome. Uh, I know. know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get into it. Today we're going to talk about London, which is, quite frankly, a spectacularly amazing city. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, since the Romans started arriving, people just haven't really stopped, have they? No, and people still come from everywhere. It's, It's a really multicultural city. I think I read that 300 languages are spoken there. Wow, that's insane. I know, and you think about all the different types of food you can eat and all the different art galleries and museums and attractions it's just it's just amazing and it's huge some so many people live there and it just sprawls out you know taking up all of almost all of england and <laughs> <laughs> i think the people from london uh, or some of them anyway think that it is all of england <laughs> <laughs> well fact box so the name is london england it's the capital of the United Kingdom, and it's located in the central southeast of England, obviously. There's 7.6 million people there, and it's known for its big red double-decker buses, Big Ben, of course, and now the London Eye. Among many, many, many hundreds of other things. Uh, temperatures in winter range from 2 to 9 degrees. No. Oh. <laughs> and in summer, 11 to 23. Which is still pretty cold. I think so. <laughs> Well, there are five airports in London. London Heathrow is the largest one, but you can also fly to Gatwick, Luton, Stansted, or London City. Price of a pint's about £3.25. A dorm bed will go from 8 to £20. And the price of a public transport ticket, uh, well, if you're jumping on the underground, it's £4, but you can get an um, all-day off-peak travel card for £5.60. Yes, which was highly recommended. Highly recommended. Um, let's do a bit of an overview about the layout. Now, because London is such a big and... It's I a guess, big sprawling metropolis, Yeah, um, we are going to be just zapping through stuff today. So we are going to miss things. I apologize in advance. Come leave your favorites in the show notes. It'll be, um, this show will be linked prominently from IndieTravelPodcast.com forward slash Europe forward slash England. So uh, visit there, click through to the show notes, and leave everything that we miss, because there will be a lot. So London is huge. It's the biggest metropolis in all of the UK, and according to many measures, according to the whole, uh, it's the largest in all of the EU. Wow. So it's very, very big. It's very big. So we're not (laughs) going to do it any sort of justice. If you're looking at it in a map, it's pretty circular, and the circle that goes around the outside is the M25 motorway. You probably won't be going out that far if you're just going for a couple of days. Most of the attractions are a lot more central than that. Yeah, I mean, you've got Westminster Abbey, Houses of Parliament, Big Ben. They're really quite central. Um, And then close to South Bank, which has the London Eye and the aquarium opposite it, and um, the National Ballet and a lot of other um, galleries and museums just in that little area there. Yeah, Westminster Abbey's on the north side, and then... If you just cross the river, you're on South Bank. If you wander along the river, um, which way, eastways, then you'll eventually get to Tower, the Tower of London mm-hmm. and uh, Tower Bridge. Yeah. And luckily it's not falling down this year. 
<laughs> it's London Bridge that's falling down. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. In London Bridge, you think it's going to be really exciting. It's actually the most boring bridge yeah, over no. the they, they make you sing about it for years and years. <laughs> and it's really dull. <laughs> Such a disappointment. Well, if you're um, at Big Ben, you've got Mayfair and Hyde Park off to the west, uh, Regent's Park to the northwest, and then the the city of London it's, itself, which is only, I think, a square mile square or mile, something yeah. like that, uh, is along the river to the east, and Greenwich, of Greenwich meantime fame, you might be a fan, uh, <laughs> is, is well out to the southeast. And, of course, there is so much more than that. We just, <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's the briefest of possible overviews. Yeah, we're sorry. So, so, I know there's a lot more. Some of the main things you have heard of are roughly here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about accommodation. Obviously, there's something for everyone in London, from doorbeds and hostels to the most luxurious of options like the Hilton, the Sheraton. Anything you can imagine. Yeah, you can have lots, of, lots of uber expensive boutique hotels as well. So Yeah. Consider couch surfing, but be aware that because London is one of the most popular tourist destinations in the world, uh, hosts are often inundated with requests, especially if they're located centrally. Yeah, so if you're lucky enough to um, to get an invite or, or an accepted couch request from one of those people, be very, very thankful. Yeah, and just make sure that when you're writing your request, you write it well and don't just copy and paste, as always. Yeah, um, so with Hostel Bookers, our sponsor today, dorm beds start at around £8 and double beds, well, double rooms, sorry, start at around £20 per person. So um, look for location, look for uh, proximity to a tube station. That's going to be really important for getting around. And of course, your normal kind of things with good reviews and, and breakfast and everything like that. If you're looking to spend a lot of money, then um, travelintelligence.com is, well, the editor there's a a good friend of mine, and they do a lot of the the boutique and luxury hotels. So if you're after a splurge, go go check them out um, at Travel Intelligence. All right. What about food? Food in London? Food. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I mean, London's one of those cities where you can find just about anything and it's also one of those cities where restaurateurs can charge you just about anything it's true yeah when speaking to londoners they'll often refer to any meal under 20 pounds as cheap or reasonable (laughs) 20 pounds (laughs) in my books isn't very cheap or reasonable when (laughs) when that can pay for three or four nights accommodation in vietnam it just doesn't count as cheap for me. No, yeah, well, unfortunately it's easy to go out and for two people to blow £100 on a main and some drinks. Um, yeah. it's It can get crazy expensive, but for the budget traveller, the supermarkets, I'm, I'm sad to say it, but they're probably your best option if you can find them in the central city. No, supermarkets are good because they quite often have quite cheap budget brands, so you can really travel on a budget in the supermarkets unlike in some places mm, Australia um, <laughs> um, what we usually did was go to a pub uh, the chain pubs like Weatherspoons often have a beer and a burger deal for about £6 or um, and they also have daily specials so they might have a curry day um, you know I think there's a fish and chip day a roast day yeah. that kind of thing. and that worked out quite well it wasn't necessarily the best quality food, but it was definitely no, I mean, it's, it's value mic- for money. It's microwave cuisine, but, um, <laughs> but you do get a decent meal um, for something that you might be able to afford. Um, near the Tower of London, there's always a couple of large rubber chickens wandering around and offering these flyers for cheap chicken and chip steals. 
and um, the the restaurant there isn't very salubrious, but we've we've come to think of it fondly as Power Ballads and Chicken. I don't know what the real name is, but I think they should rename it to Power Ballads and Chicken. Yeah. Um, because when, of the stream of just pure cheese of awesome. 70s and early 80s rock that, that comes out of the sound system. Oh, whenever we're in London and we're around the tower, we always go there for lunch and it's just amazing. Although last time it was bad rock instead of power ballads and it was very disappointing. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, that's that's cheap and none too salubrious. But um, somewhere nearby, uh, Wagamama's, they do really good food, um, nice noodles, kind of Asian fusion dishes. But their mains will be in kind of the £15 mark, whereas Power Ballads and Chicken will be at £5 mark. I think so, we got it for £3 once. Yeah. Um, spectacular. So, yeah, we, we're going from budget into something that's reasonable and you'd like to eat it <laughs> but we're getting close to that 15 to 20 pound reasonable mark again yeah there are some quintessentially british foods that are good to try in london although most people would argue you have to go to the other regions to really experience them our uh, one is the pasty a kind of rolled up pastry pie which was uh, fa- favored by welsh miners nowadays you can get everything from steak to a vegetable mix or whatever you like served up inside yeah stuff like fa- I, I mean it's weird getting this this very simple kind of food like a pie a pasty but getting it with spinach and ricotta with pine nuts Um, (laughs) it's it's this weird disconnect i guess but very delicious um fish chips and mushy peas the the icon of the british seaside is is able to be found in london but uh you might be better off heading down to to the the, seaside yeah down in the south um heading out towards i don't know maybe brighton brighton yeah Hastings, yeah, they got mini golf at Hastings. Um, <laughs> we lived there for seven weeks. <laughs> awesome um, tikka masala, chicken tikka masala. Um, you you probably know it as one of your favourite Indian dishes, but it was either invented in London or Glasgow by a uh, a British chef of Indian descent. <laughs> so chicken tikka masala is actually British food uh, rather than Indian food, and. Um, yeah, you, you'll find it. I mean, Glasgow and London are two of the world's big kind of curry capitals. So. Yeah, it's true. I read somewhere that curry is uh, the UK's favourite dish. It's the most eaten dish in the UK. Yeah, I think that's kind of cheating. That's curry. Like yeah. Curry. It's like, I don't know what it's like saying. Meat. Yeah, meat <laughs> is Britain's favourite dish. Wow, thanks. <laughs> I mean, it's just so, so... Liquid is what people like to drink. <laughs> <laughs> just a bit too general, but you know... Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, really multicultural food right around Britain. So there's those kind of traditional regional dishes. Yeah, um, you can find anything. I mean, but you've got you, yeah. Thai food, you've got Indian food, you've got the, the fish and chips. You can find anything you want, basically. Yeah. But I, I think we need to move on to something else because I'm getting too hungry. Talk about transport, please. <laughs> yeah, tra- transport in uh, London is a little bit less appetizing. <laughs> I think getting around London is really easy because it's got that awesome underground system, the mm-hmm. tube, you know. And the, I mean, I'm, and then there's the buses that connect off of that a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, you can get almost anywhere you need to go by tube. Yeah. The um, the maps are so complicated, but really easy to read. But you just look at it and you're just like, there are so many lines, colours. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I know the locals complain about delays and it gets really hot on the trains in summer, but it's a very, very comprehensive system. Um, we found while trying to get from, was it, I think it was from Waterloo to Victoria or vice versa, Yeah. Um, which is quite, quite a common trip for us. We arrive by train and have to leave by coach, whatever. It's only two stops on the tube, but unfortunately one 
ride on the tube costs four pounds, which when you convert it into New Zealand dollars is quite a lot. Yeah, it's quite like a lot, really. ten bucks. Yeah. <laughs> we just kind of, you know, an hour's wages a five minute journey. Yeah. An hour's wages a five minute However, it journey. was it was an hour walk as we found because we refused to pay the four pounds. <laughs> yeah. But okay, that's not very reasonably priced. But it's only five sixty if you get a day travel card if you start your tr- journey after nine thirty. Mm. So it has to be off peak. Yeah, but that is integrated with the tube and the buses. That's right. So, so it's five sixty for as much travel as you can do in a day. Yeah, and um, if you only want to take one trip on the bus, it's two pounds. Yeah. So uh, if you're there for more than a couple of days, then an Oyster card is a great investment. This is a prepaid plastic card that you can load up with credit time and time again, mm-hmm. and um, you tag on and tag off like a lot of the world's um, kind of public transport systems. And it will charge you per journey until you reach that maximum um, that maximum day charge, and then after that it just stops charging you, and, and you keep tagging in and tagging out. Yeah. So it's uh, there is a price that you pay, and I think when we were there last, you could hand your card back in and get your deposit back. Yeah. Um, but that was only a couple of pounds, so it was a huge, huge saving um, as soon as you do that. You can also get a seven-day pass loaded onto the Oyster card, which can save a bit of money. Or you can just get a, a regular paper ticket for seven days, depending on where you buy it. So that's quite a good option if you're if you're a tourist. Mm. And we usually just paid as we go, paid, paid, <laughs> as, we, paid as we went. <laughs> yeah, It's a set phrase, paid as we go. <laughs> so um, for those that have enough money to catch a taxi in London, which is probably... 0.1% of our <laughs> listenership, um, then they're, they're safe, clean, um, you'll, you'll find few problems with London taxis, yeah. but um, except for paying for them at the other end. Yeah, save it for when the, the tube isn't running. Yeah. Getting to and from the airport can be a bit of a mission, or not at all, depending on which airport you're flying into and out of. We really like flying into and out of Heathrow because it's connected on the tube network. You just have yeah. to get on the Piccadilly line and pay the normal tube fare. Yeah, and it's, it's lovely. It's such a relief. London City is accessible from the Docklands Light Railway, which is also part of the Tube Network. But Gatwick, Stansted, and Luton are not. So you can go by train to each of these. Gatwick and Stansted have their own special trains called Gatwick Express and Stansted Express, respectively. Yeah, but they're about 25 quid each, each yeah. way, aren't they? It's 25 quid return. Um, Gabo Express is sixty ninety one way and Stansted is fifteen pounds one okay. way. So it's yeah. Yeah. Luton so. also has a train service, but it's the airport isn't right next to the train station. You have to take a shuttle bus, which is free, and then getting into the city costs about nine pounds ninety. Yeah. Now what we normally do because we're cheap is use the coaches that run um, out of the coach station near the Victoria Park. Uh, not Victoria, Victoria Station. Park, Victoria Station. Um, and they're cheaper, but they're really time-consuming. You're likely to get stuck in traffic, so you want to give yourself plenty of kind of leeway when it comes to your check-in times and stuff like that. Yep. And you have lots of options when it comes to companies. Yeah. You can look at National Express, EasyBus, TerraVision. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably your best bet as well when you're arriving into an airport. Just go to one of the ticket offices that are very easy to see and buy a ticket from there yeah. it's cheaper to buy it in advance though however because of train delays uh, plane delays you never know if your plane's going to arrive on time yeah um if you i mean the place is so big you really need to know where you're staying and where you're flying into um to to make your own plans there but that's the that's a big picture overview 
Well, uh, let's talk about some of the things to do in London. And once again, I just feel this is so inadequate. Um, (laughs) Here are some of the billion things to do in London that we've enjoyed. So we'll take them from our personal experience and then um, kick over onto Twitter where we've had a host of of cool ideas. Um, One of my favorite things to do because it costs so much to get around and it costs so much to eat is simply to walk through the streets and look at the amazing architecture that, I mean, most of the stuff there has been built up over the last 500 years. And there's a host of different architectural styles and and different things to look at. Yeah, I remember one of my friends was walking down a street in London. He he said it was kind of a boring street. And then he looked up and he realized that every single building in the street was older than our entire country, (laughs) (laughs) which gave him a new appreciation for, you know, London yeah. architecture, and it really is amazing. Uh, I'm guessing he means the modern history of our country, oh, not, yeah, yeah. not the geological. Um... I, I think he was saying that any, it was older than any building in our country. Ah, right. The oldest building in New Zealand was built in 1820. Yeah. <laughs> Stop telling people that. Um, so yeah, great, just to just to look at the buildings and do a whole lot of people watching. Speaking of people watching, there are uh, two people out doing some kind of ballroom dancing on the beach right in front of us. <laughs> it's quite amusing. We just noticed. Yeah, We're sitting in Adelaide at my sister's house. We've got a view out over the balcony. And yes, it's quite windy. The, the, the beach is empty except for a middle-aged couple ballroom dancing. Right. So Camden Market then. <laughs> See how I just segued that? It's so professional. Very nice. Um, very nice. Yeah, visiting the markets, Camden Market, Borough Market, uh, two of my favorites but there are little local markets kind of popping up all over the place and they're beginning to become a bit gentrified I think well Camden is anyway I was reading the other day about rent prices going up and so store owners having Mm -hmm. to kind of become more commercial or kind of kill their businesses but um, they're still fantastic wonderfully interesting places to go also, there's so many museums in London. It's just not funny. There are so many. And almost all of them are free, which is very nice. Mm. One of our favorites is the Victoria and Albert Museum, which is the, oh, it's known as the V&A. It's a design museum, and it's just got so many beautiful things in it. Yeah. And uh, the British Library is, mm-hmm. well, a huge library, but um, basically one floor of it, I guess, or one, one huge wing, is um, a, a museum with papyrus and um, these amazing old illuminated bibles and um, eastern religious texts just some beautiful beautiful books and there's heaps of beautiful art galleries as well like the Tate Modern mm-hmm. oh. yeah I mean I think South Bank's a great place to to start with this whole wandering around and just ducking into stuff um, so yeah head down there well once you've had your fill of wandering around and uh going to the free attractions, there are also a host of attractions you can pay for, such as the London Eye, which is also on South Bank, mm-hmm. and uh, not far away from there is the Tower of London, which is definitely it's one of my favourite things to do. Yeah? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's, the White Tower in the middle was built, was in like the, the 11th century, and then all the other buildings were built up around it, and it's just got so much history. You think of the kings and queens living there, and you know the children in the tower, and the traitors coming in through the traitor gate, and oh, it's just so cool. Yeah, um, one of my favourite things is the the personality of the Beefeaters. Oh the, yeah, the guards that um, the guards that run it, well, run the the tours. Um, have a very, well, the ones that we've experienced have a very dry sense of humour. Yeah, is they're a lot of fun. Great fun. 
Um, getting away from the city and the metropolis a bit, um, Kew Gardens is one of the world's largest botanical gardens and they've got one of the world's largest uh, seed banks. I think mm-hmm. it might actually be the largest in the world. I think it is. And, and it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Yeah, it's fantastic. So it's well worth a trip out of the city. Um, and it's only a couple of pounds entry fee, I think. Yeah, small small donation. And yeah, just just wonderful to walk around. Another good place to visit is Greenwich, of Greenwich Mean Time fame, which is actually quite interesting. I mean, all of our time zones are based on this place, and it's just really worth a visit. Yeah, it's interesting going through some of the exhibitions and seeing how modern time and nautical time and, and everything like that was, I don't know, kind how of... established de- measure in. Developed, yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's obviously a very big British focus, but they do talk about a lot of the you know, the, the previous efforts. Another thing you might want to check out is the London Pass at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash London Pass, which has a lot of the really popular touristy attractions on it. By looking at passes like this, you can see the kind of things that people find attractive and then decide if it's for you. <laughs> so you don't have to buy it. <laughs> you just see if those are the things you want to do. And if you are going to do a lot of those attractions, then you can get the pass the, and save yeah, a lot of money. The pass is worth it. Um, and one thing that I didn't write down in the notes, but I should mention, is the hop-on, hop-off bus passes, which if you're only there for a day or you're there for a longer time but want to get a big-picture overview of the city, um, that can be worth it. Uh, we've done that in a few cities. Yeah, we did that in London, and it was really yeah. worthwhile because when you're travelling around London, you're almost always in the underground. And I never had any idea where I actually was. You'd, <laughs> you'd go into this little hole, and then you'd, you'd go through the warren of... Um, of stations, tunnels and stations, yeah. and, and you come out from another hole, and there you are. But doing the, the overground hop-off, hop-on, hop-off bus really gave you an idea of the vastness of the city. Mm. So I think London is a really good city to do it in. Some cities aren't really made for it, but uh, London definitely is. Yeah, and while you get stuck in traffic, you can get abused by the, uh, by the friendly hosts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah... Um, seasonal attractions. The first thing that pops to my head is actually the tennis. Oh yeah. I mean, Wimbledon is possibly the most prestigious tennis tournament in the world. Mm-hmm. Certainly the best branded. And you've also got the horses as well. Mm-hmm. There's stuff happening around London all of the time, and uh, it's just way too much. Let's have a look at some of the stuff that people recommended on Twitter. Uh, Cy McManus said, I totally recommend Hawksmoor London if you're after a treat-yourself-delicious steak while visiting London. Tin Kui Huan says, maybe a no-brainer, but you have to do the Tate Modern and walk Piccadilly Circus at night. Yeah, now Kenneth Hyde had uh, an interesting experience. He recommends seeing the most British of all shows in Leicester Square, which is Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. But... He got ripped off by a discount uh, ticket reseller. So always check your prices before you um, before you buy. Eurotrip Tips says strolling is the best thing to do. Admiring the beautiful architecture, grabbing a pint of cider, and do some people watching. Yeah, <laughs> fake the accent. <laughs> You're lucky. <laughs> awesome. And over yonder last said uh, La Clique is an amazing show. I have no idea what that is, but hopefully you do. Al Brotman says you have to see the London Eye, the Tower Bridge, Hyde Park, walk through Mayfair and Knightsbridge, Harrods, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff indeed. Uh, Chris Two Times says the Old Globe Theatre, Cabinet War Rooms, Kew Gardens and a walk on the Regent's Canal. Shahan Fancy says my favourite two things in London, Broadway shows and Indian food. 
Uh, Zebedee has London Borough Markets on Saturday morning, nightclubbing in Brixton, and maybe a visit to the King's Head Tavern in Earl's Court. Leslie Flies says theatre matinees. Yeah, so... Short and sweet. <laughs> theatre matinees, nice and easy. Yeah, so, so much amazing stuff to do in London. If you've got something to add, you can find the show notes for this by visiting indietravelpodcast.com forward slash Europe forward slash England. And um, you'll be able to, to leave your recommendations there because there's so much to add. All right, let's talk about guidebooks. Well, there are so many guidebooks for London that it's, it's a bit of a joke. And to be honest, I don't think we've ever actually used one. We, we well, used the um, Lonely Planet Europe on a shoestring yeah, yeah. when we first arrived. And that was enough to get oriented. But um, we just don't bother anymore. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much. Lately, I've been having a look at one of the iPod apps um, called M-Trips. And they've got a London iPod or iPad or iPhone or i whatever you want. An iApp. iApp. <laughs> um, or as someone said on the cricket commentary the other day, an APP, which was um, <laughs> pretty classy. Um, but it's got fancy schmancy geolocation features and everything you'd expect in, uh, in a good app. But um, I actually quite like some of the recommendations on things to do. They actually had some really good content on there. So, um, yeah, so yeah, I think having an app for your iPod is a much better way to go about it than having a big paper guidebook these days. We used a really good um, app recently to get around VNTN, and it was so useful because I've got my iPod in my pocket anyway. So, you know, it's a lot easier to, to navigate with. Yeah, so um, I do have a friend who lives in London who's sending me some guidebook recommendations, so we'll have links to that uh, in the show notes. So as we begin to wrap up, uh, what's your favourite memory? Well, my most favourite recent memory was um, going to the wedding near Chertsey uh-huh. most recently. It was so good. Craig's cousins recently got married, and it was, it was really nice, because whenever we go to London, we often stay with them. And uh, so it was nice to see them finally tying the knot. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day. I mean, it was something like 33 degrees, which is unheard of (laughs) for London. And, uh, yeah, beautiful blue sky. It was just, it was magic. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite memories was visiting the British Library, which we've already talked about, and uh, just seeing some of the exhibits in there and being a a book geek really... Yeah, it's fun. You know, I, I really enjoyed seeing the old illuminated texts and things like that. So that was, yeah, that was something really special. But there's been a lot of good days in London with a lot of great people. So it's really hard to, to pick something out. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I remember once we went on the Docklands Light Rail, which fun. is something we didn't talk about, but it's fantastic. It's basically just a public transport route, but all the carriages are... Um, kind of open glass so you've got really great views of of everything going around yeah there's no driver so you can sit at the front and pretend to be the driver it's really fun okay (laughs) smooth well where to next anywhere in the freaking world (laughs) (laughs) it's so true you should probably stick around england a bit before you take off overseas but um you can get budget flights from london to anywhere you want anywhere you want so Go down to Brighton or Hastings to go to the seaside, go up to Scotland, go across to Ireland. Yeah, mm. just just go go yeah. anywhere. It's yeah. one of the world's major transport hubs, so I'm not even going to go. go. talk about it. Go anywhere. 
Um, well, as we wrap this show up, let's do a quick community wisdom section. Um, if you visit indietravelpodcast.com slash community, you can, you can join us there. And uh, this week we've had Michelle asking about independent travel advice for Fiji. We're asking about the best wineries to visit in South Australia. Michael still needs help on North Africa travel, so if you've travelled in North Africa, go help him out. There are some great write-ups on Christmas markets and New Year celebrations in Europe. And Fernando has written up some amazing advice for Caracas in Venezuela. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. If you're considering it, he's got some really good safety and security advice. Chris and Steve are debating the cost and value of rail travel in the US and Canada. And we're wondering how naked body scanners affect safety and your experience of flying. Well, you can weigh in on all of these topics by visiting indietravelpodcast.com slash community and getting a free account with your own username and password or by using your Facebook login for instant access. Yeah, um, it's, it's been fantastic. It's so, so much, much fun. It is. It's so much fun. I love being able to log in every morning and see a host of other people just commenting, asking questions, answering questions. It's, um, yeah, it's something really special, I think. So do come and join us. We can't forget that this episode of the Indie Travel Podcast was sponsored by Hostelbookers. So if you're looking for a bed for the night, check out hostelbookers.com, as they have beds starting from as little as £8 a night in London. Yeah, and that's not bad. No, it's not bad indeed. Well, that's us for this week. So until next week, travel well.